Hey there, welcome to Nice Work, a podcast of the Super Nice Club, where we are just trying to make the world 10% nicer. And that's a pretty tough lift these days in our world, one that is going crazy, you know, and I don't think it takes, uh, you're probably going to guess, you know, what I'm going to talk about given the where we're at in the world. But we live in a world where people buy liquid death, which is tap water in a metal can. And there's just no level of idiocy that I think is greater than that. And we have a lot of idiocy going on right now in the Middle East uh, between two old idiots running for president, but we have liquid death. People, maybe even you have purchased it. Why? Is it that funny that you don't mind trading your hard-earned money to purchase it and simultaneously do damage to the planet through strip mining for aluminum? I don't get it. And I'm just, I'm really confused. I think it's a low point in humanity. I really do. So if you have liquid death in your refrigerator or in your cabinet, you just might want to rethink your entire value system. Apologize to your kids, your parents, your teachers. You know, they all expect more and better from you. It's true. Anyway, this is episode 107 of this podcast. Our guest is the wonderful entrepreneur, Sandra Shoshkich of Humanoid Labs. Hers is a great story. It's an entrepreneur story of a strong, bold, hyper-intelligent woman who is swinging for the fences by launching a whole new category, an inspiring category. And Sandra has built a very talented team that is looking to make the world a nicer place through empowering identity, through empowering people to just be a little different, be a little bolder. You'll see. I mean, you'll 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 hear. Just 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 stick with it and forgive my transgression over liquid death. It just really, ugh, you know, you open up the paper and you read about how there's somebody new buying liquid death. And <sighs> anyway, enough of all that. Tune out whatever else is going on with your world, at least for a few minutes. Turn up the volume and. Drop in to nice work with Sandra Shoshkich. <laughs> Sandra, Sandra Shoshkich. Hi, welcome to the Nice Work Podcast. Thank you, Todd. It's great to be here. Where, where is here for you? Here is in Los Angeles, in Brentwood, to be more precise. Let's just get right into it. I want to get right into Humanoid, which is your new company. I want to get into you. Let's start with this. You like to say, go bold or go home. What does that mean to you? Um, a lot of things. I do think that, you know, being more daring to be exactly who you are and not, you know, compromising on your dreams, on your passions, on the way you lead your life is leading to happiness and freedom and joy. And I think that we should all dare to be bolder in that sense, because, you know, there's already so many people that are just kind of living life and being part of other people's plans and sleepwalking instead of daring to walk their authentic path. So yeah, I, I would love to be a catalyst for people to dare to be bolder. And with bolder, I mean more true to themselves. And that is what got you originally thinking about getting into the space of makeup, fashion, skinwear, right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, I saw it in my own circles. If you gave somebody just a little trigger or a catalyst to dare to kind of step a little bit out of their comfort zone and kind of venture out there and realize that people were not laughing at them, that they actually had, you know, interesting conversation starters, that it gave them a personal, uh, a little bit of joy stepping out the door with something a little more expressive. And 
you know, that kind of catalyst in their own brain where they realize, gosh, you know, not only did nobody laugh, it gave me joy. I got interesting conversations. It made me feel a certain way. It gave other people joy that I was a little more bold and authentic and expressive. And then they maybe dare to do it again and again and again. And each time they step a little further out of their comfort zone. And ultimately what I've seen with friends in my, my own circles is it kind of starts being a ripple effect on other parts of their lives. It's not just about their clothes or their makeup or their hair. It really is like a catalyst for that kind of journey of figuring out, hold on, all these things that I felt were kind of holding me down, the shackles are kind of in my own head and I've been allowing them to kind of hold me down. And now I feel like liberated. I feel like there is a power in me. I've had friends who went from being pretty, you know, wallflowery in a, in a marriages of 20 plus years and, and kind of stuck in a village to connecting with their power and becoming real powerhouses and much happier at, the, at that as well, you know, and, and super magnetic with that. So what is Humanoid exactly? If people don't know what you're talking about, about expressing yourself, uh, is it makeup company? What are you launching? Well, we launched three weeks ago. Okay. So technically we launched, we call it a soft launch. Humanoid is a skinware company. Um, and the word skinware refers to color you can wear on all parts of your skin, body, not just on your face, uh, which is typically makeup. So we kind of look at it as a category that lives across makeup, tattoos, jewelry, and fashion as a form of self-expression that kind of uses our skin as the canvas. And humans have always used their skin as the canvas. Just, you know, think of all the centuries and, you know, all the kind of cultures around the world. And somehow throughout the past centuries, it's become more biased towards just the face, mostly referred to as makeup and kind of for women. And of course, we have other forms of expression like tattoos and henna and all that. But just using color on the rest of our bodies has kind of disappeared. And we want to bring that back and kind of take it out of its little corner of this is just for the face and mostly for women and cold makeup. So we call it skinwear. And it's uh, you're not just a beauty brand, you're, you're in the beauty tech space, right? That's right, what's yes. The, what's the tech angle here? So the tech for us is more to service a need because we recognized that somehow also we mostly experience barriers when it comes to expressing ourselves with color. And those barriers typically are, oh, I don't know what to do with it. And, and this is even for makeup because a lot of us feel intimidated by makeup. We don't know where to start, even though there's a lot of inspiration on the web out there. And I'm one of those people. I have Pinterest boards full of makeup looks, but then in the morning, I don't exactly know what I want and how to find it quickly and Pinterest has not been built for that. You cannot fil filter or search in a, in a quick way. And then just being able to do it fast without needing to learn all kinds of skills on a makeup tutorial, if, if you will, like those long YouTube videos that take 50 minutes. So really the barriers of inspiration, time, skills, but also the barrier of more interesting products, because we feel like when you walk into any beauty store, it's still the same products that our grandparents had, you know, lipstick, mascara, foundations, powders and our aesthetics have absolutely moved on because we live in a time where we're also in the digital and virtual worlds we have you know gaming and avatars we have social filters we watch sci-fi and marvel universe movies and there's no products that kind of allow us to express ourselves in 
those kinds of aesthetics in the real world. And we wanted to change that. And then last but not least, the permission part. So the barriers are basically inspiration, time, skills, more interesting products and permission. So the technology part solves all of those in conjunction with the products that allow us to use our body as the canvas. So the tech, what is the technology? Is it laser beams and tiny little robots that climb on your skin? Or where, where's the technology? That's going to be in phase two. Oh, okay. But in phase one, it's really very simple. It's connected products. So our products have an NFC chip. Uh, NFC is near field communication. So the chip knows this is that and that color with that formula. You tap it on your phone. You have to have the humanoid app downloaded. Okay. When you tap the product on the phone the app is going to know okay Todd is tapping the phone with the particular deep dive product with you know the, the blue color and it gives you all the looks that we've created in our app that go oh, cool. with that product and that's with an NFC chip that's the NFC chip. Okay. That is that the same that. chip that Bill Gates was putting in the COVID vaccine to control everybody? <laughs> I don't know where you read that, but I think I've missed that memo. I don't think that's the same thing. I just wonder. Otherwise, maybe I could call Bill. And, a cool partner. For partner yeah, that would right? be an amazing partner. Yeah. And you got funded initially. What was that? What was your founder's story? You had uh, early stage investing or what is it? Yeah, so we decided to full-time go for this business back in April 2021. We is me and my co-founding team. And we went out there, started pitching investors. And yeah, we, we raised our seed round back in July 2021. And that was the moment where we officially started building everything uh, from the formula development with chemists to building the app, uh, building the technology that allows the product to connect with the app and everything else, you know, the content, the, the whole proposition, etc. So if you're wondering, folks, why what, what, what a makeup skinwear brand has to do with super nice club and nice work, let me just address that real quick. In my view, as we work toward a nice world, anything that has to do with self-expression is such an important part of building a nicer world. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, what was it? It was manic panic and punky color. We would color our hair all these different ways. If we can promote expression in all the ways i believe that's a really really great thing it's when we put our boots down on expression it's when we say you shouldn't express yourself you should you know just have a, a generic uniform you should join the borg that we start having trouble with expressing contrary views contrary opinions contrary looks and, and that's when society tends to get smaller so, short story long, I love people who are bold in their expressions. So that's what I really love about Humanoid. I love that you're trying to encourage people to just express more. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we don't want to judge in the sense of bold Everybody can decide for themselves what is bold for them. Because, you know, if you've never expressed yourself in any way, maybe for you today, bold is just putting a, a neon pink eyeliner on your eyes. And that may not be bold to you, Todd, because you're very comfortable walking around with, you know, provocative T-shirts and what have you. But for somebody else, it may be a very big step out of their comfort zone. So we, we really kind of define bold with it's you who decides that what is bold for you we don't want to be judging that and you know in our app we show examples and we kind of work in the behind the scenes with five levels of boldness and level one is very 
for me, accessible. It's every day. It's really not that crazy. It's just a little more modern mm -hmm. than what you would typically see with other brands. But yeah, it's very much your experience of getting out of that comfort zone and daring to be a little bolder. Well, in prepping for this podcast yesterday, I took um, some of your stencils. Humanoid has stencils that are, um, what, well, you guys know what stencils are, right? But you stick them right to your skin. They're very thin. They're water soluble because Humanoid's all about environmentally. You guys are hippies pretty much, right? <laughs> um, anyway, so I We call it stencils. punk optimists. Punk optimists. It's, that's like very uh, adjacent to, to the solar punk movement, huh? Um, it is actually, yeah. Anyway, so I put these on and there's uh, like just, there's just three circles, you guys. Um, uh, like one big one and then flanked on either side by two smaller ones. That's the part of the stencil that I used. And I just colored it white and I put it underneath one of my eyes. And I went out and had coffee. I went out and had a meeting uh, with a guy with, you know, kind of geometrical makeup on my face. And for someone who does wear provocative shirts and, and um, just, you know, goofy clothes a lot, it was out of my comfort zone. It was out of my comfort zone to wear makeup, like, you know, guy liner, all that stuff, whatever. I'm not, that doesn't, that probably wouldn't put me out of my comfort zone, although I don't wear it. it just, it seems pretty much standard issue, West Coast, you know, male um, makeup. But this was different. This was sort of a strong geometry on my face. And nobody blinked. Nobody cared. There were two people who commented on it, but like, that's awesome. It's also LA. I know. It's also <laughs> LA. It's not Ohio. Hello, Ohio. But it was fun. And it was cool. And it pushed me, someone who's always outside of, like, I'm, I'm pretty, I don't, my comfort zone's pretty broad. But this small experiment brought me outside of my comfort zone. And it made me ask, like, well, why, why do I feel this way. Part of it's because, you know, women wear makeup, men don't. I mean, of course I'm generalizing, but how fun is it to be part of doing it different that way? It's pretty awesome. I really, I really got a kick out of it. And you were growing up in the Netherlands, you would consider yourself sort of a punk rock girl, right? True. You know, Sonic yeah. Youth, all mm -hmm. that stuff. So, and that had to have some influence on what you were doing. Well, I think it definitely has influenced my kind of idea of social experimenting, right? Mm -hmm. I've been kind of doing it for myself, just showing up in places, wearing something that would be out of the, you know, what fits in there and just see what happens. And I kind of learned from my own experiences that a lot of things happen. First of all, it does serve for yourself as that training mechanism of dare to step out of your comfort zone, dare to be bolder, dare to not fit in necessarily, nothing weird is gonna happen. Mm -hmm. But it also had me meet a lot of amazing people and also educate some people along the way. Cause you know, I, I used to look quite extreme. People were thinking at the time that I was probably shooting up drugs or whatever. And were I you? was the most straight edge per person you oh, can you imagine. Okay. Yeah, I was but into the minor threat right? in Fogazi. Everybody's no, I was in, in Rotterdam then. Oh, Rotterdam. In Rotterdam. That was the time of uh, the hardcore techno. What do you call it? Chabber. Chabber. <laughs> I so was not part of that scene, nice challenge today, but that everybody. was our mainstream scene over there at the time. Yeah, being into Fugazi and Minor Threat was very underground. Do you did you ever have you ever had an experience where showing up a little bit more extreme has cost you anything, like um, a job opportunity or a friendship? 
No, actually, I was literally I had an, a, a lunch date with a with a banker who's also from my hometown Rotterdam uh, just a few days ago, and I was recalling how straight out of university I was interviewing for a position at one of the biggest banks in the Netherlands, ABN AMRO, and I decided to use that as a you know a social experiment and not filter my resume at all and just put in everything as it is, right? Mm -hmm. Punk band, all the things that I was working on and show up the way I was. And I got the job. And I was the most flabbergasted ever that I got that job because I never intended to work at that bank. Right. But it, I was basically proven wrong in a good way because I came in kind of thinking, haha, let's see if I can confirm my own kind of prejudices that this bank is never going to hire somebody like me. And I was hired and I had to kind of take a little note to myself like, okay, I should also learn from this experience that, you know, people I kind of put into a box of very conservative and close-minded mm -hmm. are not that way always, you know? And I didn't take the job. <laughs> <laughs> so what I really heard there was that you were on a date with a banker recently? <laughs> it was a lunch date uh -huh. and uh -huh. she was amazing, uh -huh. yes. Okay, cool, right on. Uh, so before, your experience before Humanoid was pretty interesting. You used to... Uh, run one of the largest agencies in Europe, uh, Tribal DDB? Yeah, I was the CEO of DDB and Tribal in Amsterdam. And then Apple poached you to do what? So in 2015, I got approached by Apple to be the managing director for the global worldwide interactive team. And that team is, at the time, it was 1,200 people, and we were in charge of everything digital that doesn't live on the Apple hardware. So that's apple.com. And in my, in my time there, we also rolled out uh, WeChat for Apple in China. We also worked on the Apple experience within Amazon. We rolled out a huge channel redesign program uh, for Apple as well. Channel meaning all the stores that Apple gets sold in that are not Apple stores. Um, but also part of the remit was... Um, the Apple stores. So when you walk into a store and you see any kind of digital communications, whether it's on the devices that is part of the marketing messaging or on the on the walls, that was part of my team. Oh, cool. So you pretty much invented the Apple store. Is that what you're saying? No, <laughs> I am not going to claim anything like that. No, but we did roll out the Today at Apple program while mm. I was there, which was cool. Never heard of it, but that's cool. It's yeah, it's like classes and stuff that you can sign up for in the various Apple stores. It's classist? Classes, like courses oh. and presentations right. and, and stuff like that. But Apple is a little classist. <laughs> <laughs> so as an entrepreneur, though, what did your, what were some big takeaways for you from Apple, from your experience at Apple, but also from your experience in the agency world, which is so incredibly rich, unlike Apple, with creatives. I mean, I'm super grateful for my agency experience. And that's also why I stayed in that world for almost 18 years, if not longer. I felt like I was able to see many different categories and the most incredible global brands from up close and personal and be able to switch my brain from apparel to, you know, fast food, to insurance, to mobile, to consumer electronics, etc. every single day. And it trains your brain in a very different way that was really exciting and, and being mostly on the digital side in the agency world felt very much always working on the most innovative technologies and, and, and kind of pushing the boundaries was very cool and exciting. And then 
Apple was interesting in so many other ways because I had never previously been able to be part internally of a company and, and just kind of, even though on the agency side you get a lot of, you know, up close and personal experience, it's different when you're really inside a corporate, when you get, get to see how the cake is really made, I mm -hmm. guess, and why certain things take longer than, right. you know, you would ever imagine when you're on the agency side you're i was definitely often surprised why it took a company so long to get stuff done i got to experience that at apple and i think you know i appreciate a lot of that side now as well having been part of it and you took not only great lessons from apple and adidas and heineken and the companies that you worked closely with but you also ended up making some great connections. So your founding team at Humanoid was filled with, with Apple people. Am I right? Women That's from Apple. right. Yeah, there were, first of all, Pia. She and I worked very closely together while at Apple. And then we had two more other Apple people join us later. Not, not from the get-go, but later. One of them was originally on Pia's team and one of them was on my team. So basically Humanoid, huge. though, is a group of, if I were to sum it up, former female Apple executives getting into the beauty tech space, which is pretty exciting. And that is, that went a long way, didn't it, when it came to getting your initial investors? I definitely think it helped a lot when yeah. people see you are senior executives from Apple. Yeah. We often get, even now, um, and it's a few years down the line, um, when Apple, if Apple would do makeup, this is what it would look like. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think, so what, we're just all white with a lot of space? <laughs> I guess more the ecosystem thinking that yeah. we have part of it, you know, so it's physical and software services that come with it, you know. So again, going back to what are we, what, are, what is Humanoid? It's a promise that you too can create these looks without skills, not needing inspiration, not needing the time that typically takes, you know, so... The system, the ecosystem helps with making this accessible and doable for everybody, not just people who are deeply into makeup and don't mind, you know, teaching themselves all the specific techniques that come with it, but literally all of us. We want everybody to have fun and joy and experience the benefits of being bolder and therefore taking down those barriers. So the ecosystem thinking where you have the hardware, the physical product, and there is a service that comes mm -hmm. with that, that's kind of, you know, definitely something you would recognize from Apple. So you were launching this and you were looking to do a interconnected products and technology that had never been done. Also, you were looking to overcome some hurdles in the environmental space that other giant cosmetic companies said simply couldn't be done. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, you know, we uh, definitely have a few products that are already developed that are going to be launching next year that took us a long time to develop because mm -hmm. we did have a lot of hurdles on the way. Um, when you want to do things that are sustainable, that are not the ordinary way of doing them. Um, maybe we were a little naive thinking, gosh, you know, we just step into the world and we have the idea of how to solve it. And of course it can be done. It did take us more than two years and we absolutely had to change our chemists and labs many times until we found the one party that could execute what we wanted. But when we started for this one particular product, we were told that it's impossible to do and that we were literally crazy. And not just because they were saying it's, the laws of physics don't allow for particles like this to go through an aerosol system 
we also wanted our propellant to not kill the ozone layer. So we pushed our chemists to work with a deeply innovative propellant that has only been around for four years and has never been used in this category that most chemists have not worked with yet. So the formulation process is very new and takes its own challenges. Um, so yeah, we have been fired by four labs because we were pushing them along that way, which was very frustrating because the rest of the formula has, you know, was probably 90% completed and we were pushing for that last 10%. But we got it. We are very, very excited about it. You said that you were probably naive in getting in in, in setting yourself these challenges. Do you think that there is something to be said for not knowing anything about an industry that you want to get into? Just being deeply experienced as a professional and then just jumping into something brand new and having that sort of beginner's look and luck? I do think so, yeah. I do think that when you are of a category, you know too much about it mm -hmm. and your brain even automatically goes and sees all the pitfalls and barriers and why things will not work. And so you kind of already start thinking about the ways that are the common ways of how to do it versus if you're not, you know, limited by any of that knowledge, <laughs> you kind of go, of course, this can be done. And you can just kind of stomp your way through it. And yeah, we've kind of been doing that a little bit. And we definitely have learned a ton. But the result is also there. We did accomplish something that people told us cannot be done. What have been some of your biggest challenges as as an entrepreneur is there anything where if you could go back and say oh i should have done it this way you know what i guess i'm asking what are some of your biggest learning lessons so far i mean i'm gonna not say anything really radically new it's a roller coaster i mm -hmm. think your own mind fucks are the most crazy things you have to deal with, right? You know, the peaks are high and the lows can be very low. And sometimes, often, they happen almost at the same time on various topics. You can be on the biggest peak on one topic and something else can be in the deepest valley. And, and that happens many, many times on the day. And just, you know, the doubts around, is this even a good idea? And, you know, the, the challenges that are on the path and there's always new challenges. Yeah, that's definitely a huge active constant management of your own mind state which i think cannot be underestimated i mean a lot of people do say it's not for everybody it's not for the faint of heart i for sure know what they mean with it for sure yeah were you prepared at all when you went in did you listen to a bunch of podcasts on on building your own business or did you just just jump in and figure it out as you went along how how much of a how much of a, of a prepper are you when you do something like this? <laughs> if I'm very honest, I feel like I've been prepping for this my whole life because, you know, I come from a family where my dad has always been very vocal about his kind of disappointment with himself that he didn't go on to the entrepreneurial journey. So I feel like I've been brainwashed by my dad for all my life where it's like, if you want to accomplish anything, just be your own boss, do your own thing. So I haven't been doing that because I felt very excited in the world of agency. So for 18 years, I felt like, oh, it was fueling me and I've been kind of postponing the journey of being an entrepreneur. And, and then at some point, you know, while I was at Apple, I felt like I now need to do it because now or never, right? And mm. it took me a long time of rewiring my own brain of daring to take the plunge because it is difficult, you know, when you're also at the time I was a single parent with kids and you've got this amazing corporate job. It's hard to kind of 
take the leap of not knowing, right? Mm -hmm. If this is going to go anywhere and kind of risking it all and, you know, putting your time and your money and your everything into an idea that is maybe nothing. Well, it's know? a career shift, right? It is a career shift. Um, I sometimes do, when I travel around, I'll take a, um, a little brass plaque with me that says free advice, any topic. And people will sit down from time to time time to time. And you'd think that the first thing, the number one thing they would ask about would be relationship stuff. And a fair amount do. But the number one, far and away, is people asking, basically wanting permission to make career changes. Especially people in their 40s and 50s. Like, you know, I've always wanted to do this, but I'm a realtor, or I'm a this. And it's usually something that they're good at and successful at and they want to make the jump into either entrepreneurial things or creative things but they're just afraid to do it and i understand why you have a family you have bills all these kind of things so making the leap into something that what you're doing first of all i think it's amazing secondly i hope if you're listening to this that you can give yourself permission to at least try you know, some of these things, even if it's just on the side. Although I've heard that you should never try to do it as a side hustle. You should go all or nothing. Well, I'm not I had, sure how I I had reached a, a point of postponing it so long that I was like, I will regret it and I will hate myself if I have to look back on my life and go, I, was, I didn't have the balls to try it and mm -hmm. I didn't have the balls to jump and go for it. I felt like I had reached a point that that would be worse than yeah. trying and failing. So I'm like, okay. I have to do it. So you now, made the right? leap. Before I forget, folks, um, in the show notes, uh, Saunders Company, wearehumanoid.com. Also, the Instagram is also on their Instagram at wearehumanoid. You should check them out. You should also go to the Apple App Store and download the Humanoid app. Let's see, I'm trying to think. If you do that, let's see, if you download the app and you send me proof that you did, I'll send you something from Super Nice Club, stickers or something in the mail. You know, just get down there, download the app. If you download the app, give it a good review and rate it, say something nice. Maybe I'll even throw like a second sticker in there or a little spritz of cologne. You know, I'll make it cool, I'll make it sexy, I'll make it worth your time. I wanna talk about the people that, that I struggle with in terms of representing themselves as super nice, proponents of a nicer world, but often are just sharky shitholes and that's venture capitalists. What was your experience as a female founder in the world of VCs? Do you feel like, you know, because there's a sort of story that it is more difficult for women in VC. Do you think that's actually what's happened? I don't think we've experienced it per se, because, you know, we did have the Apple kind of pedigree and that definitely opened doors for us. But, yeah. you know, I, I know the statistics yeah, what's and the I know statistic? it's a fact. I want you to share that. I don't know the exact numbers, but I feel like it was somewhere as low as under 5% or something of what was it, 3%? 6%. Yeah, it was low of women getting funded. And also when you are in front of VCs, typically they ask male founders all kinds of positive and kind of up building questions. Mm -hmm. And with women, it's all these seeds of doubt and kind of, you know, negative questions. And there's all kinds of studies that prove that. I don't feel like we've had that as much or not at all, probably. I don't, I don't remember any of that for us, but that could be just the exception. Yes, yeah, 6% of funded companies were female founders. And then that was in 2000, I'm trying to remember, I think 16 or 17. And then there's a spate of 
venture capital firms that were either female run or put together, hey, we want to fund women arms. And then five years later, that number was up to 7%. So there's something going on there. Yeah, and it's sad because there's also statistics that prove that female-led companies are more profitable. Nonsense. And it's true. <laughs> and have more longevity and everybody has a better life, etc. So there's a lot to be said for female founders and female-led companies. And there's actually, in some Northern European countries, an active policy going on to make sure that boards of companies are better split you know a better diversity when it comes to gender because mm -hmm. it's just good business yeah southern europe you need to get on it come on i'm so ashamed of you southern europe i just know europe. that northern europe is doing it but maybe the south is doing it too I'm i don't know of the united states not <laughs> southern europe um i don't i can't i don't know if i can name a southern european country denmark gosh yes <laughs> totally <laughs> so You, your target audience, who, who are you targeting? Is it uh, white men like me? Also, yeah. We, yeah? Ultimately, we... I mean, I dig it. I got to be honest. When I, when I put this stuff on, I thought it was really cool. And the stencils made it super duper easy. Uh, and this whole stencil pack, I could just pick a shape to put on my face. And uh, I, I found it really fun. Um, I have to give some kudos to white male venture capitalists. Because when we pitched this to them, and these are older white males that are in NorCal, North California, mm -hmm. they all loved and recognized it. And they were all saying, I can see myself a few years from now actually walking around with stuff like this. So yeah, I, I don't think it is gender specific or that's not our intention. Because again, us humans have always expressed ourselves with color on our bodies. In fact, when you think of tribal cultures and, you know, old humans back centuries ago it was war paint it was rituals it it's part of you know your identity and expression and, and you know it's fierce it yeah, doesn't dudes have to love be. it if it has to do with war or football dudes yeah, love it's the fierce color on their face. it's yeah. masculine it all depends on you know the kind of aesthetics you apply and you know with skinwear our our particular proposition you don't have to commit to tattoos you can just mm -hmm. put it on any part of your body and it could have any color it doesn't have to be you know mostly limited to the typical tattoo colors and you can remove it. it it's no commitment but yeah it, ultimately we think it, it's for all humans but you know as marketers we always know there's going to be your innovators that kind of discover you first and then the you know early adopters and then the mainstream is going to catch on and who is that who are your early adopters for humanoid who's who's going crazy for it right now Well, first of all, we just launched, so I, I wouldn't say anyone is going crazy for it right now. I feel like nobody actually knows we're there. So yeah, we can use all the promotion we can we can get because we're, we're not a celebrity or influencer brand, so we kind of have to do this more organically. But our first audiences definitely kind of skew towards early 20s, urban, apparently with some solid political opinions. So it's people who kind of care i think mm -hmm. about the world and their place in it instead of just feeling like you know it's fine somebody else will solve things they are primarily women at the moment because mm -hmm. you know i guess it's still kind of close to the makeup category yeah. um so i would say early 20s urban women predominantly uh, lgbtq because that tends to be an audience that is ahead of you know expression mm -hmm. you know is kind of a little bolder in daring to be different um and bipoc Yeah. as well and what are you seeing in and you're so you're talking about millennials and gen z right mostly gen z 
what's going on with the beauty standards among those groups would you like compared to my old ass you know gen x i definitely think that there is a liberation from certain binaries when it comes to expression mm -hmm. and also acceptance of forms of aesthetics that do not necessarily fit kind of the old older standards of what is considered beautiful by many of us so you see aesthetics that are inspired by you know cosplay or inspired by gaming or inspired by clowns like clowncore or inspired by you I'm sorry, know clowncore there's there's an aesthetic called clowncore for is, sure oh is that the what was the um the hip-hop band doing the clown stuff there's a lot of bands that have done clown stuff but yeah i do think that there's a healthy evolution when it comes insane to insane clown posse oh yeah the insane so is clown that posse. insane clown posse would you say they're your early adopters <laughs> I wouldn't know. ICP, what's up, represent? <laughs> I mean, it's one of the niches for sure. You threw me off with clown core. Yeah, I'm that sorry. The, you've not heard yeah. it? No. It exists. There's clown so core. many cores. There's cottage core. There's clown core. Listen, folks, if you can send me a picture of yourself dressed up in clown core, I will send you something cool, maybe even like a t-shirt. You know, I will actually pull up my Instagram in the DMs. One of our uh, followers had snapped a photo on the San Francisco airport, and there was a bunch of kids that were spo sporting the clown core aesthetic just okay. in their daily life. But yeah, anyway, back to your question. Definitely a more freeing up of what is beautiful and kind of going from that being decided by the, by the other to being something that you decide. And if it's beautiful to you, you just dare to wear it and, and kind of, you know, not care as much if that's going to be accepted by others or considered beautiful because it's beautiful for you. Uh, I mean, that's great. That's I love it. I think it's fantastic. Uh, you know, Gen Z gets a lot of shit. Every, every younger generation, you remember, you're, you know. Oh, yeah, we were the lost generation. Yeah, Gen X, we got a lot of shit because we listened to terrible music and dressed horribly and we were lazy. We didn't have any work ethic. It's the same thing they're saying about Gen Z because Gen Z says, we don't like nine to five. Like, you don't like nine to five because it's inhumane and it sucks. And it's really normal to think, hey, maybe there's a better life than just grinding away for somebody else's wealth. You lazy punks. God. Get in there and if your life doesn't suck as bad as mine does, you know, you're a terrible generation. Isn't that kind of, isn't it? I feel like that sometimes. It's kind of the typical, yeah, yeah the yeah. typical generation to generation um, pattern, I guess, yeah. you know, because I had to live through it. You have to do it to suck it up, buttercup. Yeah. But I do think that there is a certain enlightenment happening, uh, which, you know, cannot be stopped, right? The The kind of keeping the carrot in front of you and kind of expecting you to step into a certain, I don't know, capitalist grind is no longer working for whole groups of kids, right? And so you see that in college, what do you call it, applications to the types of jobs these kids choose, etc. You have wanted to do something like this for a long time. You're launching it in the United States. Do you feel like the humanoid aesthetic is better suited for the United States than some other countries? Or what sort of cultures do you think are, are most ready to embrace what you're offering? I think it's global. I think it's everywhere. I do think that the younger generations are tapped into similar types of information, obviously always with a cultural flavor of where they're from. Right. But 
I, uh, I think that from a zeitgeist perspective, this is universal across the globe. You will see it in Asia, you will see it in Europe, you will see it Africa and in, I'm not know. Canada. Canadians would never go for something. Oh my gosh, Canadians. I love no, Canadians. I grew up on yes. a Canadian show. Don't, yeah, Canadians are great. No, the Mexicans would love it. And this. the Mexicans so will love color, it too. Like, and youth. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Mexico is probably the coolest country in the world. It's my, it's my favorite country for the last few years. So Canada, you're cool, but damn Mexico. Mexico just absolutely rocks. I love Mexico too. So, <laughs> so I'm not going to deny. <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's your hurdle ahead? What are you facing as a company? I mean, I know you just you just launched, you know, you you don't have uh, and you're doing this all scrappy. You don't have millions of dollars behind you or anything like that. Those venture funds were years ago to get you off the ground, to get your patents, to get your formulas, your development. Now you have to market and get out there through obscure podcasts right? <laughs> I'm counting on you, super nice club. So what's next for you to get it out there? What's, what are you and your team focusing on? What um, do you need? We need a lot of things. Mostly we need to be noticed. You know, mm -hmm. the world needs to know we exist, which is obviously hard because A, we do not have the big budgets. We don't have a celebrity or an influencer be part of our team with the reach that they typically bring. So we're really kind of starting really grassroots up, building up uh, a community around us, starting in our hometown, Los Angeles, and, and kind of hoping that that's going to grow into other parts of the U.S. And, you know, to your point about the U.S. versus the rest of the world, yeah, we definitely deliberately wanted to launch in the U.S. first, even though we do recognize that Asia is going to love what we have to offer quite a lot. It's an interesting next mar market for us. But yeah, being able to win in the US, if I use that term, is number one. And that mm -hmm. starts with now that we have launched, we've overcome the hurdles of building this, which were quite big, you know, as mentioned earlier. And also, you know, building a product plus uh, solution. We've been told by many venture capitalists and people we would talk to, like, why don't you just do the digital side? Or why don't you just do the product? Why do you need to do all of these things? And the answer has always been because we're trying to solve for those barriers, because we as humans live in all these three worlds, the physical, digital and virtual, and it's a integrated proposition. But yeah, we over overcame that barrier and now of building it. And now the barrier is how do you get noticed in a very crowded world where, you know, attention is the most scarce resource, mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. And, you know, marketing is no longer clear. How do you market to customers, consumers? You know, there's the privacy situation with Apple. There is, you know, the increased customer acquisition costs. Social paid social isn't necessarily working anymore. Yeah. How do you come out of nowhere with no celebrity attached to it and, and, and kind of start get, getting noticed? And Have you thought about doing a Super Bowl commercial? A Super Bowl commercial? Yeah, a lot of people watch those. Uh, I've never like a considered lot of people watch that. The, the yeah, baseball. I do know that a lot of people watch it. <laughs> just throwing ideas out. I'm not a marketing expert. Not just, in that league from no. a budget perspective, but you know, okay. if the Super Bowl would ever consider having us, we would definitely say yes. Yeah, I'm sure they would consider having you if you came with 10 million friends. <laughs> 10 million dollar-shaped friends. I know they they listen to one one particular thing that that we're kind of a little scarce on. <laughs> Now, in terms of celebrities, 
it's it's tricky with celebrities. We're becoming more and more sort of um, skeptical of celebrity endorsements, right? They're not as powerful as they used to be. But are, what are, who are a couple of celebrities who are like, God, if, if I could work with them, I think it'd be really cool. Just because you, you admire them. Oh, there's a lot of them. Uh, but, you know, our main argument for not necessarily having one celebrity attached to Humanoid is because we've always seen this as a promise to you. It's about being the catalyst for your journey of self-creation. And when a celebrity is part of a brand, typically it becomes about them a mm -hmm. lot. So in our future, we see collaborations with many different types of celebrities. So it also shows that this is for diverse types of people. It's not one aesthetic or one particular person um well a lot of celebrities listen to this podcast so i was just giving you an opportunity to maybe like, oh yeah for sure i mean you, you know? know we love people like fka twigs uh charlie xcx you know those are people who kind of dare to be expressive and different and kind of innovate in their field yeah what about donald sutherland <laughs> What do you, I mean, did yeah, you see yeah. his film, Don't Look Now? I have not seen that movie. No? no. Yeah. Um, Donald Sutherland. Yeah. Is I mean, that Kiefer Sutherland's dad? It is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah he, I think he's definitely, you know, we are for all ages, but I wouldn't necessarily start with him. No? Okay. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, Jack Black? Jack Black. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you know, know. Um, why not? I don't know. Just, I mean, I'm I would definitely out. kind of start with female, oh. I think. Okay. All right, I get it. I get it. So, so Taylor Swift. Uh, Is she still big? <laughs> Is Taylor Swift big. Okay. Yeah, I think you know it's kind of like the Super Bowl question. If Taylor would be interested in working with us, we would definitely be interested in working with Taylor. Yeah. Is she human? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, she has inhuman capabilities of building up whole economies. So I don't know. It's a good question. I think, I think, it's, I think the word is superhuman. I know she English is, is your second language. I, mean, I, I, I heard that abilities. she was yeah. able to bring back to economic life full cities. So yeah. So product wise, right now you have, because it really does come down to whether you have any good shit, right? Yes. I mean, the product has to be good. Um, and word on the street is that the product is good, that the coverage is good, that it's amazing for darker skin tones as well as lighter skin tones right and which is a hard thing to achieve why is it a hard thing to achieve good coverage for darker skin tones i'm not a color slash chemistry expert but often for darker skin it doesn't show as opaque as it shows on lighter skin so typically darker skin people need particular specific products or they need to use a a color or a white underneath it and then put on the, the, the color pigment. Mm -hmm. With our colors, it works beautifully across all skin tones and it's opaque with one stripe, strike, if you will, right, or right, swipe. Right. swipe, what's the word? So, so chemists have been racist for a long time then, going back to World War One and Two, right? No, that is not, yeah. <laughs> Shush. That's what I'm hearing. I'm um, hearing that chemists... <laughs> I've been creating products that don't work well on darker colored skin. No, that sounds it's racist just to me. color, right? I mean, light, it, it just needs more pigment. Hmm. It more, needs more pigment particles to be able to cover a darker under surface. Which you achieve with Humanoid. Yeah, we did. Okay, yes. so Humanoid is a non-racist brand. It's very opaque. Brand. <sighs> We're definitely not a racist brand. Okay, brand. cool. All right, just want to make sure this is a super nice club, you know. <laughs> don't want to have L'Oreal on here if they're going to make, you know makeup for white people only. 
Let's see here. What's your next product? What's your next product launch? What do you got cooking up? You have stencils? We have the biodegradable stencils. With, um, you can fully dissolve them in running water. I used those, is, and that was cool. Yeah, very yeah. cool. And then we have 11 different color products as part of our launch range. There's a couple of hack tools, as we call them, because, again, we are trying to make it easy for everybody, also people who have no skills. So our hack tools, like the dot maker, are um, proprietary tools that help you make more kind of futuristic looks with dots possible in, in very little time. And then next year, we're going to be launching with the spray. That is the product that I've talked about a little bit when it came to being fired by four labs. Right. It's a very amazing color spray that can cover larger surfaces. And in conjunction with our stencils, you can really create looks that get close to tattoos and it stays on for days um, you can shower you can work out and it's still beautiful your clothes can rub off on it and it still stays pretty and it doesn't budge so yeah that's just that's in the pipeline for next year sounds like spray paint is that what it is it's it's a spray and it's color so it stays on you for would days it's krylon no, no, it's actually fully sustainable with clean ingredients and a propellant that is good for the planet as well. Oh, the propellant was the difficult thing that yes. Elon helped you crack. It's right. always Elon. Right. He knows everything. Fixes it all. <laughs> any industry. Call Elon. <laughs> Our chemist could not crack it, Elon, to the rescue. I, I, I thought I was going to make it through a podcast without making fun of Elon Musk, but... <laughs> Didn't happen. Did I should not have called happen. him sooner. What are you saying in terms of culture shifts as, as uh, you know, bigger question, but you're, you know, I know that Humanoid, reading on your website, you really do see this as a launching pad for doing more products, more types of things that are helping drive positive culture shifts. People might look at this and go, how are you going to change culture through makeup? Mm -hmm. So bookending this, sort of what you talked about to begin with, how do you expect to sort of, you know, change the world through this, through this venture? Well, we first of all believe if on an individual level you dare to be bolder, meaning you're more true to yourself and realize that you have agency over the life that you lead, that's going to, on, on an individual level, lead to more freedom and joy for you and more a feeling that you can take charge of your life rather than, you know, live it and then maybe one day wake up and realize this is not who I want to be mm -hmm. and have your midlife crisis and what have you. So yes, on an individual level, it kind of activates and inspires and empowers people to take charge. On a human you know, race level, we believe that we can solve all kinds of challenges that we're facing because we are infinitely creative. We have technologies. It's really about us feeling activated that we can take charge of it. So we want to be the inspiration as a company by showing the way that yes, you can create products that don't take away and make the world a bigger mess, but actually solve for certain problems around packaging, around you know sustainability and what have you. Um, the way we do business, we want to give back, involve our community and have them be part of the profits that we generate. But yeah, ultimately, you know, our idea is that we don't stay in just the skinware category. We see ourselves more like an identity platform that uh, enables you to connect with who you are and, and kind of then go on that journey of 
create the life you want to live and as an identity platform with data at the center because we have this app we have your data it allows us to get very custom and personal we have partnered with dr brown from stanford where, where it comes to certain in-app modules that are much more to do with helping especially you know younger kids connect with what are my values how do i want to show up who do i want to be tomorrow to really kind of in a fun and explorative way help them on that journey of figuring out who they are and being able to not just express themselves but also live in a more authentic way. So yeah, starting on that individual level and inspiring on a collective level to take charge of the world around us. Well, I love what you're doing, Sandra. And I, I love the the philosophy that you have here of what you're doing. And I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm going to download the app. I already have the app, actually. Um, I'm going to get the stencils. I already have the stencils. I'm going to buy the spray when it comes out. How's that? Yeah. I would love that. So again, folks, check out wearehumanoid.com. Download the app, please. And I will send you some goodies if you can show proof that you did that stuff. It's Humanoid Labs in the App Store. Oh, yeah. It's Humanoid Labs in the App Store. And if you have any friends that work at Apple that have anything to do with the App Store, and you can get them to change the name from Humanoid Labs to Humanoid, because I know I've heard from somewhere that is taking a really long time. Yes. That would be awesome. If you can do that, we I will send you... all the approval, but it's still not changed. If you can do that, I will send you a used pencil eraser in the mail from Super Nice Club headquarters. Sandra Shoshkich, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Todd. And there you have it, a super nice conversation with Sandra Shoshkich of Humanoid. I hope that you found that interesting, first of all. Interesting enough to check out Humanoid. Uh, we are Humanoid uh, on the socials, TikTok, all that kind of stuff, as well as their URL. Uh, and also maybe ask yourself a little bit about, you know, what am I doing with how I present myself to the world? Um, not all of us, you don't know, need to do something where you know, a lot of, you know, we're just good with it. Like, yeah, I like my face. I like my, my beard or my non-beard or my jowls or my big bushy eyebrows, which, you know, I'm going to get as I get older because it's just like, Old, old men get these humongous eyebrows. It's crazy. Like, we turn into owls, I think, pretty much. Eyebrows? Is that a thing? Is that a word, eyebrows? It could be. It could be. I love my eyebrows. But maybe you want to push the, the envelope a little bit just to make yourself feel a little bit different. Wake up. I'm a little bit different today. I want to look a little bit different. I do hope that you get behind Sandra and her team. I've, I've met them all, and they're all super nice human beings who really are trying to make a positive change and difference. So that's it. Episode 107. Will there be a 108? I think so. I, I love doing a podcast where I don't have to come up with something every week or every two weeks, just like whenever the, whenever the hell I want to do it. Pretty cool. It's pretty great. You should do it. Yeah. Start a podcast. Why not? You can talk to cool people all the damn time. Love you. And don't forget, do not forget to stay nice, everybody. By nice, I mean don't, don't, don't fucking buy liquid death. It's just stupid. It's really dumb. It's like the dumbest thing. It's the dumbest thing ever. It is. It's like Hamas dumb. to be nicer than
and you could lend a helping hand If you wanted to be nicer Then you could see your neighbor's band If you wanted to be nicer Then you could put away your clothes If you wanted to be nicer can teach everything you know And all we ask is that you just become 10% more nice And all we ask is that you just become 10% more nice that you just become 10% more nice And all we ask is that you just become 10% more nice